Let's now turn to 1 Corinthians 10.31. 1 Corinthians 10.31. And after you find 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, if you could please stand to honor the reading of his word, if at all possible. And it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, Therefore, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. God bless and honor in reading the reading of his word. Thanksgiving has come and it is gone. And now Christmas season is upon us. And as I said, I, I love Christmas. I really do. Still, though, it is Thanksgiving weekend. It still is. And there's still a lot of things that uh, have to be taken care of, taking down the decorations if you put them up. And now it's time for the Christmas decorations to begin. Plaza has done its deal where it started the Christmas lights. But the one thing that I always loved as a child, I always loved, my mom always made good Thanksgiving meals, always had. One of the reasons why I had such a hard time losing weight. <laughs> and one of the things she always did, she made good Thanksgiving meals. And because of that, we always had good Thanksgiving leftovers. And I always loved the leftovers. I always loved making turkey sandwiches, which I've yet to do. Turkey sandwiches and pies and such. And I always loved it in the beginning. For the first day or two after Thanksgiving, there's always a lot of good leftovers. There's the cheese balls and there's the, the pumpkin nut rolls and all these things that she'd make. And I mean, they were so good. I, I loved it. It's, it's like there's, there's such a thing as fresh leftovers, you know? When you first get to the day after and all the people leave and and, uh, and there's a look, oh, I got to help her. I got to help her get rid of the leftovers. See, the fresh rolls and, and you, you can put them in the microwave or whatever and God help you before the microwave came around. I don't know what you did, but but I, I do know what you did. But still, yeah, I, I enjoy those leftovers, the fresh leftovers. But after a while, after a while, something happens. It's like something happens to the leftovers. The leftovers, they're not as good. They're not as warm. They're not as fresh. After the second, third, fourth, fifth day, the leftovers, I don't know, you get a little sick of eating the turkey and the dressing and the stuff, you know, stuffing. And the leftovers don't have, you start going through the leftovers, you're picking through the leftovers, and the, you have to start bringing all the leftovers together. And you're like, oh, man, it's like that the leftovers of the leftovers, you know? And those leftovers start feeling like, leftovers you know they're like the leftover leftovers and and they're not as good you're like oh i got the, the last of the last and you're just like i gotta, gotta get rid of them and, and, but you, you go through them you know and so this is what the sermon's called leftovers you ever have the leftovers and they just don't feel so good and you don't feel so good no one wants to be the leftover i've been i was used to be the leftovers at school when they used to pick teams so you you should be the leftover of the teams back in school Maybe you were maybe you're one of those sports guys and you're in good health and they used to pick you because you're the best at kickball or whatever. I'm not talking to you. I'm not talking to you. I was one of those kids that couldn't do softball, couldn't do all that stuff. So I was a leftover they picked. I guess what they fill up. He's the last one. You know, I was that leftover guy. I was a leftover. So today's sermon is called leftover. Maybe sometimes we feel like that. Too often we give God our second best. We give God our leftovers. Have you ever done that? That's between you and the Lord. But I have. There's been times in my life in the past that I've given God my leftovers. 
I've given God my second best, my third, my fourth, my fifth best. Times I didn't get my cert by uh, lessons put together till the last second. I didn't get things put together. I gave him my second, my third, my fourth. Whether it comes to tithes and offerings, I can't afford to give it to him. I have to pay my bills. I have to, to buy everything I want and then I give it to God. God doesn't ask for that. He gives you. He asks for your best, your first fruits. He gives once you give his very best. Oh, but I got to take care of my wife and and my girlfriend. My I had to take care of my kids. I had to take care of all that. Now, before you take care of God, God's not supposed to be the last on the list. He's supposed to be the first on the list, then them. But what do I do about them? Who blessed you with those things? We'll talk about all that. Too often we give God our second best and he's our leftovers. After we give our best and our first to our jobs, is what people do. Our jobs because of our responsibilities. And that's good to have responsibilities. And then so then we talk about our spouses, our girlfriends wives or boyfriends if you're a woman and then they talk about our, our family kids or, or whatever and then they talk about our friends and we, we, we love our friends and that's good that's good and then pastimes rather it's hobby there's nothing wrong with having hobbies that's good pastimes abilities desires because sometimes people football you know there's nothing wrong with having something you enjoy but it should never come for god some people do some people aren't here because they're, they don't want to miss the chiefs Nothing wrong with enjoying the Chiefs, but never before the Chief. I've mentioned that before. Nothing, nothing wrong with enjoying. I, I like to watch fake fighting, you know, wrestling. But guess what? Guess what? I also enjoy lots of other things. Guess what you do? Nowadays, you, you can record. And, you can, and, man, we've been able to do that for quite some time. There's other things you can do, too, whether it be movies, whether it be comic books, whether it be drawing, whether it be soap operas. Maybe you like a soap opera in your life. I'm not into that. But I like other soap operas. It's called life. But guess what? You can do all that stuff after God, after God, no matter what it is. Maybe you like to put models together. Maybe you like to collect things. Maybe you collect precious moments. I know people collect precious moments. Or, or, or they, they collect, uh, uh, what do they call those? A little, uh, uh, oh, uh, I, those little glass gals. I've seen them do it. Angels. I've seen, we talked about Bobby Sims a while ago. She collects so many angel things. And she was so, so cute and wonderful and pretty. Guess what? She didn't ever do that before the Lord. Never before the Lord. Those are pretty, but they didn't come in, in God's place. And that's the thing. So many times people put their pastimes, their desires over the Lord. He's never to get our leftovers. Then after all these things, after their jobs, their families, their spouses, their friends, their pastimes, their desires, then often people will place God. They don't have time to make God their first, their priorities. And their priorities need to be questioned. And, and I, like I said, I know because I've done it. I'm ashamed to say now, my father told me when I went to get my very first job, at, and I had babysat and all that before, but then when I went to get my job, my very first job at McDonald's, God told, or excuse me, God told my father many times through the, through the Bible, and then my father told me, make sure, make sure the very first time you get your, your paycheck, you take out 10% of what you earn after taxes, he said, because, you know, you can't help that. Your taxes aren't come out. But he said, make sure you go ahead and take your 10% and you give that to the Lord. And he said, and here's what I do, son. He said, he goes, round it up, round it up. He goes, you can't ever outgive God. He said, round it up. So I did. I always rounded up, and I always gave 10% to God. Sometimes I gave a little more, and I would do that. Then I'm ashamed to say it. I've said it before. At one point in time, I quit tithing because, oh, I can't afford it this time. I can't afford it. And my dad always says to me, son, you can't afford not to give to God. You can't afford not to give. He was right. He goes, you're going to lose it somehow. And he was right. Folks, I'm here to tell you he was right. And once you stop tithing, 
you're going to do it again and again and again and again. And this is not about giving to, to the church so that we can get here. I'm telling you, you got to give to God. You have to give to God and put God first because once you stop, it becomes a habit. And you're going to find that one way or another, you're going to lose. Because once you start giving to God and putting him first, the blessings are going to, oh, you can't stop those blessings. They're going to come. And it's not about the substance. It's not about the substance, the thing. It's about the heart. It's about what comes first here in your heart. If you put God first here in your heart, it's about the attitude. It's about how thankful you are in your heart, how much gratitude and the attitude in your heart. That's why I used to be told in the youth group from my mother, from my aunt and my grandma and other people, the attitude and the, of gratitude. Because you need to have the attitude in your heart. And if you have the attitude of gratitude, everything will change here the way you think, the way you feel, and everything else. So let's not give God leftovers. Let's give him firstovers. Let's give him the first fruits that we have. Christians often forget that without God, you would have none of these things. You would have none of the abilities, whether it be with pastimes, desires, or jobs. God's blessed you with the job. Why would we not give him our first? He's blessed us with the family. He's blessed us with our wives, with our, our husbands, with with our, our, our abilities to do these things, some of the homes that we have, we're blessed with those things. How many people are not blessed with these situations? We need to give God first. You've been blessed, but we need to give back. Let's read what it says in 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3-4. through 4. Because it says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3-4, through 4, His divine power has given to us all things, I'll say it again, given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and excellence. Now, he's talking about salvation and things. He's talking about all the things we have, too. He's talking about life and godliness. God's given us these things. Now, I've told you this before. Some people back in the past, when I was, I remember I used to draw at World of Fun. I told you that Brother Steve Gorman here was the one who told me about that job. And I went and started drawing it. But I remember this one young man who I knew. He said, God didn't give me the ability to draw. I did that all on my own. And I said, who gave you the artistic ability in the first place? He goes, me, me, me. And I said, no, no, no. He, he, he. The Lord God. God gave you the ability. You, you, don't, don't get arrogant in this. And one guy said to me later on, yeah, but. God gave it to you, but not necessarily him. I said, aha, uh -huh. God gave him the desires. And so, therefore, we all owe God so much, and we oftentimes don't give God the glory to it. But I'm going to move on from there. It says, his divine power has given us all the things that pertain to life of godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and excellence, verse 4, by which he has given to us exceedingly great and precious promises so that through these things you might become partakers of the divine nature and escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now, usually when the word lust comes about, people always say about the sexual things. Now, that does happen. People desire through the lustful things of sexual uh, desires, but it's not just that. People lust after riches. They lust after things that other people have. But we don't have to. God will give us the things that are the desires of our heart. If we are following him, that doesn't just mean you'll get what you want. It means if you are desiring after God, he will give you what he has already put in your heart. If you desire the Lord and follow him and him alone, 
He will give you the desires of your heart. Let your desires be Him and Him alone. And Him first, always. If He is the first of your heart, He'll be at the last of your heart. If He is put first and you give Him not the leftovers, not just those, those warmed over nonsensical things, but put Him first, I'm telling you, the desires of your heart will be filled. Let's go on now to Proverbs 3, Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. It says in Proverbs chapter 3, 9 and 10, Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all your increase. Now remember, this is talking to the people who God's blessed with land. And it was talking about what the things they planted, and it came up. And after it came up, it had, they had the first fruits. He wasn't saying, well, after you planted it and it came up, give him the leftovers. No, no, no. He's saying give him the first overs. Give him the very first. Now, I'm very spoiled. I live in a house with a really good cook. I told you before. And I'm still there trying to watch my weight. But she comes down and she says, try this. See how this tastes. And I get to give her. Well, now, okay, I'm not very glad that she had COVID at one time. But the good thing about my mom having COVID at one time is that she can't taste all that well and can't smell all that well. So the great thing about that is, is that when she comes down, I get to be the taste tester. And I like that. Thank you, COVID. See, there's a good thing about COVID, too. And and, and so I, I look at the good in all things. That's the good of COVID, is that her taste buds aren't the best, and mine are. So so the thing is, is I get to do the taste testing. So she'll come down with a hot roll, and she'll say, is this cooked well enough? I like them a little soft, so I lighter. No, I'm kidding about that part. But you see, the truth is, is I get to taste it and tell how good it is, and I'll say, oh, yeah. Yeah, you might want to cook a, little, a, a three or four more batches just to make sure. No, I'm kidding about that. I'm kidding about that. No, but in truth, I get to taste it all and make sure how good it tastes. But you see, I get to try the first fruits, if you will, of what she's cooking. But in reality, I'm getting to test a very fresh, brand new batch. That's what God wants. He wants the fresh, brand new, best of what we got. He wants the best of what we got, not the last. Not, if you're cooking, let's, let's use the, the bread as an example. I love when she makes bread. Can you imagine if you were giving God the last of the bread after it's been around and it's 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 hard and it's been around for days on end, maybe starting to get moldy? That's what a lot of people are, are asking. They're saying, well, God will get it. He'll just get it later. No, he doesn't want your moldy, hard, hearted up and, and, and falling apart, crumbly bread. He doesn't want that. He wants the best of what you got, the first fruits. Now, finishing this, Proverbs 3, 9 through 10, honor the Lord with your substance, with the first fruits of your increase. And this one, it says here, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your presses will burst out with new wine. He's saying, give your best and you'll get your best from God. That's what he's saying. Give your best, you'll get the best. See, people always say, oh, well, I got to take care of what I got and then I'll give to God. No, 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 no. Give your best to God. God will give, give best in return. Why can't people see that? Sometimes because they don't want to, because they want their best for themselves. God's the best around. Matthew 22, verse 37. Matthew 22, verse 37. Jesus said to him, talking to another, said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with what? All your mind. We're to love God with all we have. Sometimes people seem to think that if we do that, we're not going to have le enough left over for the others. That's not true. It's not true at all. But if we give our best to God, what we have left over, by the way, 
you never can give too much to God. But what you have left over is far better than what you would have had before. Because you got your mind set and your heart set and everything else set on the right things, not on the things of the world. But if you're allowing God to do the, the thinking, the loving, and all those other things for you, you're going to give something much better, much better to the people around. Much better. 1 Thessalonians 2.4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4 says, But as we were allowed by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak not to please men, but God, who examines our hearts. So we're not to be worried so much about what men around us think, but what God thinks. He examines our hearts. Because as I said before, the world a lot of times, and yes, even Christians, a lot of times worry so much about what men think, what the men of the world think. But the people of the world, we say, but the men of the world, they're they're not worried about, about that, about putting God first. We need to worry about what they think. What, what would my family think if I put God first? I'm here to tell you, they're not the ones you're supposed to be worshiping and putting first. But they might make me feel bad. They're not the ones you're going to have to answer to. Now, I'm not telling you to put your family behind you and not love them and be there for them. You should always love your family. Always. I'm very proud of my dad. My dad served God first. If it ever came down to a time when I said, Dad, love me or God, you can't do both. Dad would say, Son, I love you, but goodbye. You know why? Because I, I, I would have drawn a line in the sand. And if, if I had drawn a line, which I never would have done, but if I had ever drawn a line in the sand, me or God, Dad would have said, Goodbye. Because God has to come first. Has to. I wasn't his God, and it should I should never have been. I'm glad my dad showed me how to love the Lord God always first. I didn't always love God first. I, I even thought I did. But I loved entertainment more at times. I loved art more than at times. I loved girlfriends and things more. Didn't even realize it. But God, I have to put first. He's my first love. In Revelations 2.4. And, and he's talking about, Jesus is talking about, the Lord God is talking about the church of Ephesus. But in Revelations 2.4, Listen to what it said about the church of Ephesus. He says, but I have something against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. The love you had at first. How many times do people lose their first love? I'll talk more about this in February. Their first love, people put their first love behind them. They don't put God first as they should. And then in Matthew 15, 8, in Matthew 15, 8, Jesus is speaking to the scribes and the Pharisees. And Jesus says, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. How many times people talk the big talk, but they don't walk the walk for Christ? They don't do, what do we always say? By their actions, they are known. And yet, a lot of times people can say they love God, but they don't show it. They don't show it. And that's sad. It's very sad. We are to put God first, not give him leftovers. God doesn't want our leftovers. He wants our first. He wants those first fruits. By our actions, we are known, and God wants us to give him our very best, the best that we have. You know, last week, technically it was a couple weeks ago, but we talked about a spiritual meal, did we not? We talked about a spiritual meal. And we talked about last week about being always being thankful. So we talked about a spiritual meal. We talked about prayer. 
We talked about studying the words. We talked about listening to sermons and bringing in the meal from these things, the spiritual meal. And we talked about fellowship with others. A lot of times people say, well, I don't have to fellowship in order to, to eat. But I'm here to tell you that spiritual eating also involves fellowship because a fellowship can help you in your 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 meal spiritually. It can help you relate with others. Technically, I can go on YouTube and I can, or whatever, and I can listen to sermons, but I don't get to fellowship with others who go through those difficulties like I do. Going with my brothers and sisters in Christ to a church, you get a lot more from it. You can feel the Holy Spirit of those who also suffer, for those who also have difficulties, for those who also not always put God first, who've given their second, their third, their fourth, their, their fifth fruits. That's not what God asks. But I don't have fruit. No, we're not talking about literal fruit. We're talking about substances. Because he was actually talking, he's talking about fruits. He's actually talking about the grains. He was talking about the things that they received out there in the fields. Maybe you are not giving your best to God. Maybe today you're embarrassed by that. Maybe you don't want to admit it. And you don't have to admit it to me. I'm not worried about that. Admit it to God today. Maybe you're giving him your leftovers. Or maybe you once did. Maybe you know someone who is. Just pray for him. You don't have to go to him and say, no more leftovers to God with from you. <laughs> no, don't do that. Don't do that. Pray for them today. Maybe right now you didn't realize you were giving your leftovers, but the more that you're listening, the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And you realize that right now, maybe you've been going through the motions. You've been going through the motions for a while. And you've been giving leftovers to God. But you don't have to do that anymore. You can give the very best that you have. Not just go through emotions. Because emotions can come and go, but spiritual best we give to God. By picking up the word and studying it, then you can give your best to God. We're not to give our seconds. But the great thing about spiritual eating is you can go back for seconds. After you've gone through your first down, here's the thing. In real life, we're not to be gluttons, and we know that. We're not to be gluttons. My body has gone through years of being a glutton. I was an emotional eater. I've talked about it before. And I became a glutton from it and destroyed myself. In fact, no matter how much weight I lose, I'll always have a, a body of scars because of being a glutton. But in a spiritual eating life, it's good to be a glutton. You know why? In spiritual eating, you can never eat enough. You can never eat enough. You can just keep going back. Go back for seconds. Now, I'm not asking for hands here. I'm not asking for hands. So don't show them to me. The other day was Thanksgiving Day. I imagine there was a few here. I imagine you went back for seconds, maybe thirds, maybe fourths, maybe fifths. And that's okay. I doubt it. But uh, I imagine you did go back for pie. Maybe you went back for, for pudding or something else. I imagine you guys just ate yourself to, to fun and all sorts of joy. But you know what? That's okay. It's all right to go back for pumpkin pie. It's okay to go back and put a whole a whole uh, a Cool Whip a container's worth of whipped cream on top on Thanksgiving Day. I, I can't imagine it, although I can imagine the whole thing of whipped cream. But the point is, is, point is, is when it comes to spiritual eating, go back for seconds. Go back for thirds and fourths and fifths and keep eating all day long, and you're never going to get too full because in spiritual eating, all day long you can eat your treats, and that's okay. It's okay. There's no such thing as spiritual gluttony. There's no such thing as it. There's a, you, you, when you're at the spiritual table of feast, you can eat, 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 and never get full. You can eat, 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 and never get sick. And that's a beautiful thing. 
Don't worry about others, what they're going to say. It's all about you and your Lord God. Amen. Amen. This is what it says in Deuteronomy 8.3. In Deuteronomy 8.3, he humbled you and let you suffer hunger and fed you with manna. Now we know what manna was. Which you did not know, nor did your fathers know that he might make you know that man does not live on bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Jesus used that later on. When he was, was tempted by Satan, Jesus used that scripture. Man does not live on bread alone, but from the very word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. We are to eat upon the word of God. We're to eat spiritually eat on the word of God. Continue to eat upon it. Philippians 1.11. Philippians 1.11 says, Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. We're to be filled with the fruit of righteousness. Be filled with that fruit of righteousness. That comes through the Holy Spirit. But we're to be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. We're to praise God with that glory continuously. It says in Matthew 5, 6, and Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. This is one of the Beatitudes. We're to be, we are to be blessed because we want to, we hunger and we thirst for righteousness, and we will be filled with righteousness. Those are the things that we should be thankful for. And in John 6, 35, what does it say? Jesus said to them in John 6, 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall never hungry and, excuse me, hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Now he's talking spiritually. He's saying that you will live forever with eternal life, okay? He's saying you'll always have uh, the spiritual salvation. But we should hunger and thirst to be righteous, we will have everlasting life, but we should have righteousness in that life. So we should go to his word and eat upon those things. 1 Corinthians 6.20. This is what he says in 1 Corinthians 6.20. He says, you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You belong to God. You belong to God. Glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Glorify him. Glorify him. Don't give him the leftovers. Give him the best of what you got. Give him the best of what you got. You know, many, many Christians, many Christians focus on the giant problems of the world around them. And there are many giant problems. We know it. There are many giant problems around them. And they put God behind them, not in front of them. Because they put the giant problems in front of them and the, and the Lord God behind them giving him the leftovers. They're trying to take on the giant problems and then I'll deal with God. I'll give God my leftovers. Right now, I got to deal with this problem. I got to pay my bills. I got to deal with this. I got to deal with my taxes. I got to deal with all this. And then I'll deal with God. No. God first. God will help you with your problems. God will help you with problems. Let's now turn to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 1. As we're going to look through 19 through 29, 
Deuteronomy 1, 19 through 29. Now we're not going to read all of this necessarily. But let's look and see what they were dealing with. Israel was looking at the promised land. And as they did, let's take a look <coughs> at what God had said. When we departed from Horeb, we went through all that great and terrible wilderness, which you saw by the way of the mountain of the Amorites, as the Lord our God commanded us, when we came to Kadesh Barnea. I said to you, we have come to the mountains of, of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is given to us. See, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up and possess it. Just as the Lord, now this is Moses speaking, just as the Lord of the God, excuse me, the Lord, the God of your father spoke to you, do not fear or be discouraged. Now I'm going to say that again. It's not Moses speaking. It's Moses speaking to them what God spoke to him. What did he say? He said, do not, be, do not fear or be discouraged. Once again, do not fear or be discouraged. When Moses spoke of what God spoke, they could depend upon it. This is the same Lord who brought them through many enemies. This is the same Lord who brought them from the land of Egypt. The same Lord through the angel of the Lord, Jesus Christ, the same one who came to them through a cloud of thunder, cloud of fire, cloud, it opened the Red Sea. They seen it with their eyes. He gave them manna. They saw miracles in front of them. So when God says it, what is it? It's guaranteed. And they knew this. They seen this. So people say, yeah, but we weren't out there. We can't imagine. Yeah, you're right. I can't imagine seeing these things with my very own physical eyes and then doubting him. It's true we're human. It's true. But how can you see God's glory and his power over and over and over and over and over and over and then doubting him again? So let's go on from there. Verse 22. So all of you came near me and said, let us send men before us so that they shall scout out the land and bring back to us word concerning what we should go up and into what cities we shall come. They sent one from every tribe. The thing pleased me, and I took twelve men from you out of each tribe. They turned and went up into the hill country and came to the valley of Eskel and, uh, and scouted it out. They, they took the fruit of the land in their hands and brought it down to us and, and brought us a word again and said, It is a good land which the Lord God is giving, uh, is giving us. So the Lord God said, I'm giving you this land. Go! Take a look at it. Make sure you know you know that you know. So these 12 go out and see it, and they say it's a good land. But now listen to this. It is a good land that God is giving us, yet you were not willing to go up, but rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God. You murmured in your tents and said, because the Lord hates us, he has brought us out of the land of Egypt. Oh, boy. Listen to this now. To deliver us into the hand of the Amorites, to destroy us, where shall we go up? Out, uh, our brothers have discouraged our hearts, saying the people are greater and taller than we. The cities are great and walled up to heaven. And moreover, we have seen the sons of the uh, Anakites here. Now, think of this now. They're, they're seeing these people. So just like the old song they used to teach the kids, that 12 went down to spy on Canaan, and 10 of the men were bad, which is to say what they saw were bad to them. Ten were bad, and two were good. 
Ten of the men said, we can't go in there. And two of them said, but it's good. It's a good land. So we know that it was Joshua and Caleb. And I know a man, in fact, he's right here, who named his son Joshua and Caleb. And the fact of the matter is, is they said that ten were bad and the two men were good. They said, it's a good land. Let's take the land. The other ten said, no, because there's giants in the land. They saw literal giants. They saw a giant problem. They said, yeah, but look, the grapes are big and wonderful. That This land is blessed and God has given it to us. It's our land. The other said, oh, no, there's too many problems. We can't do this. So these men saw that God gave them the land, and God was giving his best to them. And instead of saying, yes, let's give our best to God and give back, they said, no, 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 no. Let's, let's do what we want to do. We'll give God our best later. For right now, let's just do what we say we should do. But the other two said, no, 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 no. Let's follow God. And the other ten said, no, 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 no. We'll follow God later. Let, let's just do what we think is right. See, the song said, 12 went down to spy on Canaan. 10 were bad and 2 were good. What did they see when they got to Canaan? 10 were bad and 2 were good. Some saw giants big and tall. Some saw grapes of clusters fall. Some saw God was overall. 10 were bad and 2 were good. You see, too many times instead of giving God our very best, we put him in the back burner, so to speak, instead of putting him on the front. And if we put God in the front and we look at him and give him our best, we'll see that God is in control if we just let him be in control. Let's not give him our leftovers. Let's give him our front. Let's give him our best, our first fruits. Give him our best always. And God will give us what he has promised us, a life full of flush, wonderful first fruits of God. Amen? Amen. Verse 29, then I said to you, do not be terrified or afraid of them. The Lord your God, verse 30, the Lord your God who goes before you, he shall fight for you just as all that he did for you in Egypt before your eyes, verse 31, and in the wilderness where you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son in all the way that you went until you came to this place. The Lord God is in charge. We just have to give our best unto God. Give yourself completely over. Give him not your leftovers. Give him the best of what you have. Give him the best that you have. Many Christians focus on the giant problems of the world around them. But God, we put behind us. We put him behind the problems. It shouldn't be that way. Instead, put him in front. We want to see the spiritual foods and blessings, and we need to give God our very best. If you want spiritual we all say, but God's not blessing me like he once did. Where have you placed him? Are you placing him in front or behind us? Are you, is he on the back burner or on the front? If you want the blessings of God, and you want a wonderful spiritual life, now I'm not saying you're not going to have problems in life. You will. God promises that, because it's a world we're in. Remember, of the world, in the world, not of it. In it, not of it. But the point is, if you have God in the front, all those problems will be in the back. And God will lead you right through it. He will, just like he did these people who put God first. When Joshua and Caleb were in charge, guess what he ended up doing? What did God do? He knocked the wall, and the walls came tumbling down. That's right. When God is in front, all the giant problems of the life will come tumbling down. That's right. Remember, remember, God charge everything everything will fall down because god is greater than your problems so what's left over after that what's left over after all that well if you give your spiritual best to god through you you can see it changing you 
You can see it changing in you. Your thoughts, your actions, your desires. When you start giving your very best to God, you put him in the front. All those things start changing. You can see it. No longer are you putting your jobs before the God, before your God. Yes, we have to have a job. We know that. And yes, we have to pay our bills. We know that. That's why we have a job. We understand that. But you don't have to put that before the Lord. You should never put your job before the Lord. Ever. Your position should never. Because God's the one who allowed you to have that. He put that in your life. You should never put it before him. Your spouse, you better have, should never be before the Lord God, who should be better than everyone. Your family should never come before God. Your friends, your pastimes, your desires, never before the Lord. You should never put God in the back and Him being your leftover and getting your leftover. It should never be that. You should never forget about Him. Oh, yeah, and also God. No, no, no. Never, never, never. We should always pray, study the Word, have fellowship, listen to sermons, listen to the meals to get us through. We should always remember that God help us through the problems, the giant problems, and it should never come before the Lord. Because God help us through it. And when we when we put God first and give him our spiritual best, he'll help us. Our leftover issues after that, God will help us. He'll help us and you'll start seeing the changes with our thoughts, our actions, our desires, and our life. It'll start changing. It says in Colossians, Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. It says, Colossians 3, 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. It also says in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 2, 11. 1 Corinthians 2, 11 says, For what man knows the things of a man, except the spirit of which is in him. Likewise, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. We cannot rely on ourselves. We can know what's going on with men in the world, but we can't expect to know what God's thinking unless we rely upon praying and studying the Word and going through the Holy Spirit. So many people in this world, and I see it all the time on Facebook, I see it all the time through the news, I see it all the time through other things, and I hear people of the world, I'm not saying they don't know the Lord. That's between them and God. I, I can tell a lot of times some don't. And I can tell a lot of times that if nothing else, they're not following God. They're talking about worldly things. And they're saying, God doesn't want us this and this. Really? You're talking about something very worldly. And then you're talking about what God wants. If you knew what God wanted, you wouldn't be doing the worldly thing in the first place. Come on now. We're not to do that. Don't give God your leftovers. Give God your first fruits, your very best. And his best will be given to given to and through you. It'll be given to and through you. People oftentimes will say, why does God bless me? Well, I don't know your circumstances. And I can't give you uh, for certainty about this. But I can say, if you want the best from God, you need to give your best to God. Now, it could be you're going through a situation which you're being tested. And I don't know. Like I said, I don't know your life. But I do know that if you're giving your best to God and you're continuously serving him continuously and that you are still going through these tests, it could be God's helping you grow and all that. And that's how the best comes out, by the way, a lot of times. You're not always going to be going through through golden streams of wonderfulness. If there's going to be times that that's how the golden great times come through us is through hard times. 
But I do know those difficulties won't last forever. But if you are not giving your best to God and you're constantly giving him the leftovers, you can't expect to have the greatest coming from, from a, a, a back burner life with Christ. I know with me personally, I wasn't getting wonderful blessings from God when I was putting him on the back burner of my life all the time. So why, God? Why, God? You know why, Philip. I felt it in the Holy Spirit all the time. You know why. You're not giving him your best. You're not even giving him your second best. Not even your third, your fourth, or fifth. Oh, no, no, no. I love God. That's not the question, is it? Do you love God? And I knew it. But I didn't want to admit it. Because if I had to admit it, then there might be some change that had to be made. Folks, I'm a conservative. Conservative sometimes means lazy. <laughs> I was lazy, and, I, and I'm talking in spiritual sense. I was lazy, and I didn't want to change. But if you want to do well in a spiritual life, guess what you got to do? You got to change. You got to let God change you and make you a better you. Letting him live through you, change you, and be all about the Lord. Don't give him the leftovers. Give him the first fruits. It says in 1 Corinthians 3.23. I love this. That's a very short verse. One of the shortest, but one of the best in all the world. And I had to go to a different version just so it would take one word out to make it sound more to the point. To take out the word and. I just like not to say and on the, on the first word. But I like this. First, first Corinthians 3.23. You belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. Amen? One more time. You belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. In other words, you're God's. You're Christ. Christ is God in the flesh, but you are God's. You belong to him. You belong to him. Give your best to him. So when you belong to the Lord, you need to give your best to God continuously. And then there's John 15, 8. John 15, 8. My father. Now remember, this is this is Jesus at the supper. The last supper with his, with his disciples. I almost said with his boys, but I'm going to say with his, with his disciples, because remember, you're his family. Think of him at the meal with you. He said, my father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciple. Now think about this, disciples. Think about this, children. Bear much fruit. Show by your works. Give your best, your first fruits to him. If you are his disciple, if you are his children of God, if you are the one bearing his name, Christian, Christ one, if you are his children, bear much fruit. I'm not asking you to say anything about this, but have you ever met someone who says, oh, I'm a Christian, and you, and you think to yourself, you may not say it out loud, I hope you don't. You say, you? You're a Christian? Has anyone done that to you? Oh, I hope not. I hope not. Now, I'm not asking to judge anyone. That's between them and the Lord. But I will say, if there's someone who's out there living very, 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 very unchristianly. They really can't feel that bad if they're doing everything unchristlike, unchristlike, and then they might get surprised and they, oh, who are they to judge? Well, no one's judging what you put in front of them by your actions you're known. If you're out there living like everything the Bible tells you not to do, you can't get mad when people say he is like Christ. In other words, folks, we need to change and give ourselves not the leftovers to God, but give our best to God, our first fruits. And the very last scripture that I'm going to give to you today as we close today, and now I know I'm feeling guilty about a lot of things I've done. Maybe do it now. Maybe you are, maybe you're not. I know that we're to give our very best to God, never our last, 
but our first fruits, our best, our very first. Not our second, not our third, not our fourth, or fifth, or anything else, but our very best always. It says this in Psalm. You might want to write this down. This is a good one. Psalm 50, verse 23. I must admit, I didn't know this. I didn't have it memorized, at least, until this week. It's one of my favorites now. Psalm 50, verse 23. Psalm 50, verse 23. Whoever sacrifices a thank offering glorifies me and makes a way. I will show him the salvation of God. Isn't that wonderful? Whoever sacrifices a thank offering glorifies me and makes a way. I will show him the salvation of God. Today, we've talked about many things. Mostly, not giving God the leftovers. Now, God knows what you can and can't afford. Maybe you're thinking, Pastor, I don't make much money. God's not asking you for the amount. He's not asking for the substance. He's asking for the substance of your heart. Remember when Jesus Christ told the story of the woman with the mite? That wasn't just a story. He was telling another story already to the disciples. That really happened. That was something that really happened right in front of him. A woman came down and gave him mite. He also spoke about two men that stood in front of the church. One man gave it all in front of them. The one that he gave a great amount of it's the fact that he was putting on a show in front of everyone to show off the Pharisee. Another man gave of his heart. And he showed a woman giving a little mite, and he gave more than all those around. She did. Why? Because she gave the best she could from her heart. It wasn't about the amount. It was from the amount from her heart. The best of her spirit. She gave of her first fruits. She gave the best of what she had. God is not judging you from the amount that you have to give, but the fact that you're giving the best of what you got. Remember that. God is not saying, oh, you poor soul, you live in a slum, or anything like that. God is saying, from your heart, you are wealthier because you give with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And God loves you. He loves you because you are rich in spirit. Remember that. And don't judge yourself in such a harsh way. God loves you. He loves you. Let's just not give our leftovers. Let's give the best of what we got. And God gives back to us in the same way. Let's bow and pray. Dear precious Heavenly Father, thank you so much for such a loving family of God. Your family, Lord, your children. Thank you for these wonderful people who love you so much that they're here to praise you. Thank you, Lord, for the safe travels of all the people who've gotten to go see their family. I pray you'll continue to bless them, bring them home safely. I pray you'll bless the people this upcoming week and this last week of November. And I pray this upcoming holiday season that people will remember to serve you, to worship you, and that we will all remember to give our very first fruits to you, that we will remember, Lord God, that you've given to us and we want to give in return. I pray for blessings upon this church and of all the churches that serve you, Lord Jesus. Thank you so very much for your love and your compassion and your understanding for us, Lord. In the times that we do sometimes slip and do things that we shouldn't, I pray that you'll help us to be able to come unto you, Lord, asking for forgiveness, and that you'll help us to forgive ourselves. I pray this in your holy, precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen.